Tonight, we're traveling to my home state of Indiana to tackle the tale of a snapping turtle the size of a VW Beetle, the Beast of Busco. We also talk about our time at the inaugural Frogman Festival in Mason, Ohio. So, look forward to this fantastic episode. everyone and welcome to the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I'm your host Kat Cloco and along with me exploring the strange and spooky world is Jen Kohler and Christina Wald. They'll be with uh, us, me, us, us in a minute. So uh, wow we did a lot of stuff and we'll be talking about it in a few minutes but you can stay up to date with us and our show by following us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter and Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And you can join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. And of course, we're dying to hear about your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it in our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. You can find our podcast where you listen and watch our show or you can watch our show feed on YouTube. Just find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Please take a moment to rate and review us on those platforms so other spooky story lovers, just like yourself, can find the show. And of course, there's links in the show notes. And thank you, Jen, for putting us up everywhere where you can listen to podcasts. So we got some show news. Uh, Come meet us at the inaugural Highland Heights Comic Con on March 18th, 2023. It'll be held at the Northern Kentucky University Student Union. Parking will be available across the street at the Kenton Garage. Christina will have illustrations for sale. We'll all have copies of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities for sale at the Corpse Flower Press Table. And, of course, we just went to the Frogman Festival. So, Christina, Jen, come on. Let's tell everyone how much fun we had. Because it was a lot. That wasn't sarcasm. (laughs) It was. It was. Who knew cryptids was such a big thing? That's why we're talking about cryptids tonight. We didn't get enough. Yeah. It It wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. It was not enough. One one cryptid was not enough. I got to talk about two. So, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Thanks to everybody that came out and said hi. Yeah. We had so many podcast listeners, which I'm surprised because I didn't expect anyone to listen to the show. We do this for fun. (laughs) And people came up to the table and were like, we found about the Frogman Fest from your show. So thank you for listening to us. Thank you for coming out to the show. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. It was nice to meet people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea cryptids were so big. Well, I did, but that's just because (laughs) of weird so, I mean, it's Frogman. I didn't realize Frogman was as big as he is. I guess we're going to gender Frogman here. Um, it, it's, I remember James had me transcribe or translate. He had gotten a Gashapong, which is just like a little figurine in a capsule, the to- capsule toys from Japan. They, some company, figurine company, ran a series of cryptids, and the Frogman was one of them. And he had gotten it as a gift from a friend. And he's like, Hey, cat, can you translate this for me? I'm like, Sure, dude, I totally can. 
So I knew Frogman was internationally known because of these capsule toys, but man, there were thousands huh. of people there. Yeah. Thousands. It was great. It was yeah. probably the busiest convention I've ever seen. Well, TCAF was busier, but... I oh, mean... it's not the busiest... Sorry, Frogman Fest. It was not the biggest, busiest convention I've ever seen, but it ranked up there for its size. Yeah, 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 yeah. especially for its first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I love the people who were cosplaying, especially the ones of Mothman and the Fresno Nightwalker. That, that was, was fantastic. Thank they you for fun. coming to check out our um, booth. What was it? Off-brand Mothman on TikTok. Yeah. That's who they were. Mothman on yeah, I love it. So, um, And I didn't realize uh, the first time we saw them, but the Nightcrawler had a little squeaky toy. <laughs> yes. And so whenever they walked, they communicated. Yeah. 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 That was great. Yeah. That was, that was fantastic. It, they were such great cosplay. And then of mm -hmm. course there was at least two people that were Frogman in various different suits. So yes. that was great. Well, there was the official one for mm -hmm. the, for the show. And then there was what they described when we went to see the talk that James did imposters <laughs> <The imposters. laughs> so i felt like i was i was playing that game you know this is the imposter yeah how was james talk i wasn't able to and leave it was the table. really really good um he's very dynamic i mean we'd seen him when we went to the anchorage and and he gave a good talk there but this talk was considerably longer and he had visual aids and he was very knowledgeable and it was just a very interesting collection of all the lore and how it all keeps growing and keeps it's like mutating into a gianter and gianter piece of lore yeah and that's why he was so interested in the play hopefully jay will get back to us with who did that play because he said i wanted to see it and there probably is video of it somewhere i mean the french festival they usually do record a lot of that stuff at some point and um maybe he'll be able to watch it and talk to the playwright I suspect it was, I mean, most of the plays at the Fringe Festival are, not most, but a lot of them are first-time playwrights and first-time plays. Yeah, it, so for our listeners at home that weren't at the Frogman Fest, James mentioned a Frogman-centered play that was at the Fringe Festival, who our friend Jay Callaghan ran for mm -hmm. a number of years so that's why we're able to just say it's jay he will know because yes well cincinnati has know. its own fringe festival which is a really awesome thing it's a yes. great way to get uh people that are in theater and want to write plays it's a mm -hmm. great way to see a lot of new fresh theater i mean yeah. it's also a way to see a lot of bad theater as well i mean that's kind of the fun is you yeah. know, some yeah. of the stuff is really hidden gems and some of the stuff is forgettable Think bombs got to start somewhere yeah you got to exactly, start somewhere exactly and and you know they've had some of the coolest venues i remember i saw a play and the play was actually forgettable but it was at the emory theater but the emory, emory theater is in terrible shape and it's like so there was like dust everywhere and stuff so it's like being in it's too bad you weren't there you probably could have sensed something there because it hasn't Maybe. i don't know if they're re, i don't know if they're renovating it i think they are that's but good. at that point, it was not being renovated, and it was just rough. Yeah, uh, you know, it was it was kind of cool when it first started because it was before they started doing all the before three CDC was doing all of the renovation and the 
gentrification of OTR. So you had all these empty buildings. And so you would just go to these plays in the middle of a, an abandoned building somewhere. <laughs> and it was kind of cool. Oh, that's fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That and now, fun. of course, they're all much nicer and, and yeah. the play, the venues are much nice, much more. Well, it's all been fixed up and stuff. Mm -hmm. There was something to be said for a play where, you know, it's sort of a happening in the middle of nowhere. And they used to have like visual fringe and artwork displayed in weird abandoned buildings around the city too. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, they don't do visual fringe so much anymore because mm. it didn't see it didn't work as well as they'd hoped with the play portion. Oh, they okay. Yeah. Well, the, the whole way people go to galleries is different than the way they take in theater. That people is very go to true. a gallery opening and then they don't go back. <laughs> that is kind of true. <laughs> so you had to have all of these spaces, which I mentioned were in abandoned buildings, and people had to watch it. So you had to have people yeah. stationed in all these abandoned buildings watching the artwork so it didn't get yeah. stolen. Oh, but wow. it was a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was neat. Yeah. Well, it was it was fun getting back to the Frogman Festival. It was mm -hmm. fun seeing all the different creators that came out. Mm -hmm. um, there were many. There were so many. Yes. Um, I got a very awesome felt Frogman. Mm -hmm. Don't mind my dog shaking its bum in the back. Anyway, and uh, where's the felt Frogman? Can you show it? I, it? It's it's still in my car. I oh. haven't gotten it. Oh yeah. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I, I can see it. It's been a busy Sorry. weekend. <laughs> it's been a very Basically, oh, well, I'll get back to that, but um, yeah, it, so I got some nice prints. I got a print of Bessie, the Lake Erie monster. I got a print of Ch Chupacabra, which um, done by a really good artist named Sherwin. Um, let's see, what else did I get? Oh, and another great print of the Fiji mermaid. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's, and I should put up all the different creators who I purchased stuff from because they did really great work. And I love adding to this cabinet of curiosities that is my studio. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's it adds so much character to this, this room. But, yeah, I got home and unpacked what I needed to, all the vital stuff. Sorry, the, the frogman, I guess, was not considered vital at like 9 p.m. when I got home. I woke up at 6 a.m. that day. Um, so I got home, just dropped my stuff and washed my face and went to bed and slept for 11 hours wow <laughs> yeah, i was yeah. so tired but it was really fun and it was great talking to everyone got to see some friends from the paranormal field around here that are still working in the paranormal field jen got to meet david and jamie too mm -hmm. and then um and then met a whole bunch of new people so it was a great fest i am looking forward to next year mm -hmm. and uh Maybe we can do a talk. I don't know. I'll have to talk to Jeff and Craig. So that'd be fun. Oh, definitely. We should definitely get be. I mean, Jen looks nervous. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just do a table again. Uh, <laughs> I can well, do the table while you do the talk. Okay. Well, yeah, You'll Jen, you me. don't necessarily have to. I mean, we could just do, you know, Kat could be, do most of the talking and we can just sit there and nod our heads for a <laughs> Pretty much, I mean, pretty much. You know. Kind of like uh, what I'm doing now. Uh, <laughs> public speaking makes me very nervous. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I tried to do your spiel for the, the table where you were out looking around and it mm -hmm. did not come out at no. It does not, not always work all. for me at all. Like <laughs> There was one poor couple. Um, I was in the middle of giving, they're called elevator pitches when you're trying mm -hmm. to give that really quick little blurb of what you do. 
Um, I was in the middle of it and my voice completely cut out. It just disappeared and they just stared at me and I'm like, hold on a second and chugged a whole like half of my water bottle just trying to get my voice back. So um, that was fun. (laughs) And uh, yeah, there will be times, especially later in the day where I have forgotten the elevator pitch. I have forgotten my own name. Because <laughs> my it's elevator very pitch overwhelming. is yeah, it's overwhelming. It's like, hi, I'm Cat. I'm the editor of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. It's a comics anthology written and illustrated by local artists. And then sometimes <laughs> I'll go, hi, I'm. Oh, I can't do this. Like, and I make it into a little improv comedy act, or it's yeah. just make the person the laugh. Maybe they'll yeah. stick around until I can remember it. So it's. Well, they certainly seemed to be, you know, firing on all the cylinders with their marketing and with, you know, they got the word out very, I mean, not just people listening to this podcast, but they were on TV, they were in mm-hmm. their newspapers. Mm-hmm. So whoever was doing it was very good with their press release and all of that stuff. And I think it kind of filled, it was kind of a piece of fun news when you oh, think yeah. about all the other news stuff local news coverage and that sort of thing it's something that is a bright spot and and something more fun people love these tales mm-hmm. of lore i mean yeah that's why we do this podcast is for the same reason and yeah it's really exciting to meet people that are into it also oh yeah oh i as had matter- so much fun people watching <laughs> <laughs> as a matter of fact I- maybe we have some guests right sorry the- Oh. We have some people we can have as guests. That yeah, we're there, there's a yeah. few that um, we met that I was like, yeah, you should totally be on the show. Yeah, totally. Like my friend David, who does um, the Dogman group. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's an old paranormal friend of mine, but we hadn't Excellent. actually seen each other face to face in about a decade. Wow. It's But we follow each other on Facebook and everything. We still communicate. It's just we hadn't seen each other at events really for nearly a decade it easily been a few years so it was great seeing him and his partner and everything so yeah they were um, they were cool mm-hmm. so they got a book it's like hey look what i'm working on now <laughs> i've been working on it for three years but oh, wow yeah it, that books that's take a minute hmm? <laughs> books take a minute <laughs> books take a minute they do take a minute oh my god do and uh <laughs> yeah they do oh. we can all relate although i've never been pub- had a book published oh Just you will worse. you yeah. will mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a threat not a problem okay okay <laughs> okay yeah we will get you published Jen. <laughs> okay <We will>. yeah <laughs> it will vampires happen. will be involved we'll get you published <laughs> Maybe vampires, maybe not. I mean, I've written about zombies. Is that, too, is that a thing? Forceful publishing? Forceful, pu- forceful publishing. publishing? Usually it's a publisher. In the publisher. newspaper industry, yes, because there are multiple times I had written things that I didn't want to write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're trying to like write out a contract, yes. then, yeah. then you would do that. But mm-hmm. we don't do that here. <laughs> so <laughs> we do not do that here. But yeah, it was it was just an exciting mix of people, and hopefully they'll yeah. do it again next year. And it's nice to see so many people into this. And mm-hmm. you know, referencing Erie Appalachia, I mean, there was so much stuff that you said you hadn't even been aware of with the holler stories and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's kind of exciting seeing all these new stories. And oh yeah, um, talking to other cryptid fans, it was just t- fun talking about holler stories, especially from the book that we 
read a few months ago. Yes. And so like, the there was a lot of Grafton, the Grafton monster there. Really? And I was like, wow, this is a not, I didn't think so well known cryptid from West Virginia. Like everyone's heard of uh, the Flatwoods monster, but not everyone's heard of Grafton, which was that huge immovable monster that looked like a rock. And right. like there was some snarly gaster stuff too, which I find mm-hmm. fun. It's a um, cryptid that is, I know about it, but just because I do doesn't mean everyone does. I love it because it vomit outs like a bunch of tentacles out of its mouth and it, as it flies through the sky and snatches small children. It has all the things. It has all the things. It sounds like something out of Alice in Wonderland, but it was seen in Maryland. Alice in Wonderland and cryptids. I think mm-hmm. there's a book there. Oh, yeah, there is a book there. Did it get um, any children in, in hmm? Maryland? Or is it just a theory? Sorry, what? Did it eat any children in Maryland? I mean, or is it just a theory? It, it's just a, It's just folklore. I don't think okay. it actually. Speaking of children, you will probably hear little boy yipping in the background. That's him. That, a ghost. <laughs> the, the, the spooky ghost child voice you hear is not a ghost. That is my, my spooky child. <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, this is probably a good segue into, we are so excited by cryptids, you've picked a cryptid to do a show on tonight. Yes, so this is a cryptid I've been particularly excited to do. I save good stories to sprinkle throughout the year so we don't do everything that's huge all at one time. So, going on about the Frogman Fest, I am going to introduce our listeners, I think, to the Beast of Busco. So this will be a fun episode tonight. So tonight's short sources are from Weird Indiana, Wikipedia, IndianaPublicMedia.org, Trobusco Turtle Days website, and uh, a bunch of different uh, newspapers such as uh, the Fort Wayne Gazette, the Indianapolis Star, and um, the New Richmond Palladium Item. I love these old newspaper titles. <laughs> names so he needs to start putting out these newspapers again it's like they were all bought up and none of them come Mm -hmm. out anymore yeah so anyway uh moving on so admitted mm, admittedly we're headed outside the cincinnati region to visit turtle town usa Busco in whitley county indiana Busco, as it's locally called, sits north of Fort Wayne, Indiana, a small town named after a Mexican-American War victory site. It grew to national fame in 1949 for the delightfully strange lake monster sighting we're talking about tonight. Oscar Falk saw something strange one day in the seven-acre lake on his property in 1898. He emphatically told his family and neighbors about an enormous turtle emerging from the depths of the lake, only for everyone to rebuff his claims. Disappointed and dejected about the reception of his experience, he eventually stopped talking about the sighting, and the giant turtle faded from memory. Until 1948. Aura Blue and Charlie Wilson were fishing the same lake, now known as Folk Lake, when they witnessed an enormous turtle emerge from the lake. The two estimated that the turtle weighed a whopping 500 pounds and described it to have a back the size of a dinner table and a child-sized head. Gail Harris, 43 at the time, was the property's owner, and he reported seeing the beast turtle in the lake rise its head out of the water in an attempt to catch ducks flying overhead, among other sightings. For comparison, the average snapping turtle, 
also known as the common snapping turtle in northern Indiana, are usually 8 to 14 inches in length, 20 to 36 centimeters, and can weigh up to 45 pounds or 16 kilograms. Word of the fishermen's and farmers' experiences spread around town, and in early 1949, residents of Busco planned to build a turtle house for Oscar, naming the giant turtle after the first farmer of the property all those years ago. The turtle house would go in the center of town, where everyone could see him if we catch him. The house was approved by the local Chamber of Commerce and the Community Association. United Press International reporter from Fort Wayne sent an article about the curious turtle sightings to the National Newswire. Overnight, the Beast of Busco became nationally famous. This happened in early March 1949. What resulted were mobs of sightseers trespassing onto Gail Harris's land, requiring the state police to step in to control the crowds. First, the lake was surveyed by plane. Then reporters from the Indianapolis Star and the Fort Wayne Gazette, along with a representative from the Cincinnati Zoo, all claimed to have seen Oscar in and around the lake. This only added to the media frenzy. Over 400 cars an hour were passing through the Harris farm with the family selling coffee and hot dogs to hungry sightseers. During the height of the buzz for Oscar, a Life magazine photographer named Mike Shea took 299 photos around Folk Lake in an attempt to photograph the beastly turtle. However, all of his photos were deemed unusable and were never published. There were many attempts to catch Oscar. First, Harris had some associates set half a dozen traps around the lake, but none were successful in capturing Oscar. He then hired a crane to lift the turtle out of the lake, but the turtle eluded the crane operator, staying 65 feet offshore and about 10 feet underwater, according to the news article from the New Richmond Palladium item. Uh, Harris then hired a deep sea diver from Indianapolis, actually two of them, to explore the pond, but that plan first failed when the wrong equipment was delivered to his farm. This diving attempt caught the attention of the U.S. Coast Guard, who then stepped in. Harris's attempt to hunt and trap Oscar also elicited responses from the Noble County Game Warden and the Indiana Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. So he was being watched. Woodrow Rigsby, a former U.S. Navy diver, made several dives to find Oscar. So they continued diving, even though the first attempt was such a flop. With the help of assistance on a boat above, Rigsby would walk the bottom of Falk Lake. He reported not only seeing Oscar and describing him to be three to four feet wide, like his shell was four to three to four feet wide, but Oscar also had a wife, quotation, just a little bit smaller than him. In another attempt to lure out Oscar, a 200-pound female sea turtle was brought to Falk Lake, but that plan failed as well. I am truly concerned about the well-being of all these turtles. In the final attempt to capture Oscar, Harris had the lake water pumped out into an area sealed off by a dam. Just before all the water was pumped out of the lake, the dam broke, releasing all the water back inside. 
To this day, Oscar has never been caught, although several snapping turtles were caught in the lake during the turtle hunt. One even made the news in Indianapolis as Oscar's grandson, a whopping 14-pound snapping turtle in 1949. Grandson turtle aside, the beast of Busco has left a cultural legacy on the town. Since 1950, the town holds the Churubusco Turtle Days Festival, celebrating their beloved cryptid every June. The festival includes a parade, a carnival, and even turtle races. This year's theme for Oscar is off to the races for 2023. And if you're interested in going to the festival, it will be held June 14th through the 17th in Churubusco, Indiana. There is a Facebook page for the festival. The link will be in the show notes. And there, my friends, is the Beast of Busco, Oscar, the wonderful VW-sized snapping turtle of Indiana. That's cool. Isn't this fun? I yeah. really loved writing this article. I hope everyone liked listening to I it. I can't believe you tried to, like, take the water out. That's so mean. What is <laughs> it alone? Was 1949. People had different <laughs> priorities. But, um... I, I just love hearing about Gail Harris's attempts to find this turtle. Yeah. And it, it almost it felt like a Monty Python skit, reading yeah. all the different attempts and uh, all the people that were helping him do it. So they really wanted to find this turtle to what end, I don't know. But uh, there is a fake Beast of Busco turtle shell that is up hanging in a restaurant around northern Indiana. I can't remember the restaurant's name at the moment i'm sure one of our wonderful listeners is now screaming it at their radio <laughs> saying cat it is blankety blank 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 but uh it's it's not the real beast of busco turtle shell and or no sightings since then uh, or anything nothing that i saw following up on it it's mm -hmm. just really this um people have there i mean there are naturally snapping turtles swimming around in the lake the lake was refilled you can go there they're quite proud of their turtles and uh there's photos i found because i have not been to busco indiana though i have heard of it um I'm, I'm from slightly further north than this town but uh yeah it's there's statues dedicated to oscar there's it, i i love the entire festival dedicated to oscar i want to try to go to this festival it looks like a fun festival fair to go <laughs> kind of like a, just like a miniature version of the state fair, basically. And they have a really dedicated group of uh, volunteers who are putting it all together. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I, I'm, it has me wondering what the biggest turtle is. Is there, I can't, I've never, in all the times I've drawn animals, I don't think I've ever been asked to draw a turtle that large. And so that, that makes me wonder, but that doesn't mean there's not a turtle that large. I mean, sea turtles get pretty big, but they're not yeah. Volkswagen size. No. So I'm curious. We'll have to look I'm it up. I'm now looking it up. Yes, because it seems, you know, what I was thinking the whole time is, is whoever came up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That this oh, Eastman? Yes, this is some yeah. sort of, this sort of fits in that lore okay i found it so um the largest living one was a leatherback turtle um which oh man that did not format right so it measured nine nine feet five and an inches in total Whoa. length over the um its shell 
um, and it was nine feet across and mm, okay. weighed 2,120 pounds. Wow. I have drawn a leatherback turtle and I had no idea they got that big. Yeah. So this is the Guinness World Record holder, but mm-hmm. the Beast of Busco is half this size. Oh, so. okay. Well, so that's... Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's so possible. It, it, it is possible. Um, let's see what's the largest snapping turtle on record. Do they do all turtles live pretty long or is it just the sea turtles? A lot of like the Galapagos turtles live to be over a hundred. Actually oh, wow. the um the Galapagos turtle I illustrated for the San Diego Zoo book was I think like a he was over a hundred and promptly died as we were working Aww. on the book. And so we dedicated the book to him. But yeah, they live to be quite old. Yeah. It, it's they they have very long lifespans. Wow. Okay, so here we go. The largest snapping turtle ever officially recorded was a 16-year-old alligator snapping turtle that Those weighed in at a massive 249 Whoa. pounds. The massive turtle was weighed at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago in 1999 um, before being sent to the Tennessee Aquarium on breeding loan. <laughs> Ooh, they had one. I don't know if they still have an alligator snapping turtle at the aquarium you were just there was it still there uh no i don't remember it i just saw a sea turtle in their largest tank and that was the mm-hmm. only they didn't have the snapping like, one anymore it doesn't look like it they had long neck turtles with the alligators the albino alligators snowball and snowflake mm-hmm. um but the largest one was the sea turtle and oh my goodness that thing was huge mm-hmm. but it it probably is roughly the size that Busco was or Oscar was actually reported the sea to be. Oh, wow. But I'm really worried about the sea turtle that they brought into a freshwater lake. I don't see things going well for that poor turtle, but I don't know if they need to be in salt water or not. So I don't know either. Yeah. Um, this is this is where we fail as <laughs> we're not scientists. <laughs> so <laughs> mm, mm. Well, now I'm fascinated by that story. Maybe we should go to the oh, festival. I, I would like to go. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, do alligator turtles eat alligators, or are they like a crossbreed? I think they just look like alligators. Okay. So. But this this would not have been an alligator turtle. This would have been a common snapping turtle. Yeah, yeah. That's what's mm-hmm. native to northern Indiana. So Usually was... predators eat what they can catch. So, yeah. yeah. True. I don't. I, I think it probably depends on the turtle. I don't know that much about what does what does snapping turtles mostly eat? Are they mostly vegetarian plants and stuff? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Whenever you see the Galapagos turtles, they're feeding them lettuce and 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 veg. So I don't know if that's primarily their diet or if they eat other things too. Snapping turtles eat fish, birds, and other small mammals. Okay, so, so they do eat uh, whatever they can catch. My Oscar wanted to eat the ducks. Yeah, they'll eat uh, insects, worms, and leafy greens. Okay. So they kind of eat anything that mm-hmm. they can get their little mouths around. Yeah, I mean, they're big mouths. You know, speaking of frogs, there has been concern because bullfrogs have become so ubiquitous around the country, and a lot, they're kind of an invasive species in a lot of areas. Really, and they eat a lot of smaller, rarer frogs. Which, really. Yeah. Which we, mm. I was mentioning that when we were at the Renaissance Festival once, and this little girl looked up and she was like, "Frogs eat other frogs." 
And I said, I know, I I didn't realize we were being overheard. And the look on her face when I said, because they had, it was like a little lake where they had some frogs. And I I had just read an article about bullfrogs eating a lot of, you know, indigenous species. And just, she looked so crestfallen. I was like, no, no, not these frogs. (laughs) That reminds me, we were at the aquarium last weekend. The very first aquarium tank, they have... Uh, freshwater or no they were saltwater lobsters one had clearly killed the other one and was eating it in the tank oh my goodness and i'm like oh look at that and thankfully little dude did not notice that he was watching something else because it was (laughs) this lobster was chowing down on the inside head piece of the other lobster oh, so. so it was like a horrific tableau and you're like yeah. okay and i'm like it's nature. circle black like <laughs> nature is fun and they eat us all nature is brutal that's why i you know lobsters remind me of spiders and i just don't want to eat them oh well, they're, they're all kind of in the same arthropod sort of thing yeah well mm. and they eat anything right yeah they do well, they obviously <laughs> Well, humans eat anything, so I guess we have a lot in common. Well, yes, but I don't eat humans. But we eat Twinkies. Twinkies are better than lobsters. (laughs) I don't want to eat lobsters. Lobsters are delicious, but they do eat other people. Or, well, yeah, if they'll eat corpses, just like like crabs. Sounds like an an interesting uh, uh, cryptid, the lobster, the human-eating lobster. I will find one for you and we'll present oh, it on be, There's got to be a cryptid lobster. Oh, like a I'm giant sure. One or something. Sidetrack, yeah. I just read an article about this this guy that went missing. I can't remember where. He was a lobster? No. <laughs> he was, he was ATV, uh, riding his ATV and he ended up in the water somehow and a shark ate him. What? They don't, yeah, they don't know how he got in the water. But, but he was delicious. someone caught the shark. And then when they were fixing the shark, they found an arm, a tattooed arm or something in the shark. Was this in Australia? I don't know. Because I I remember... (laughs) I guess I should, uh, before I start talking about this stuff, actually know my sources. But I was just like, oh my god, that's terrifying. (laughs) But he had been missing for a while. And they're like... This was, I think, in Australia. Yeah, Yeah, they found his arm. And yeah, the distinct Mm -hmm. tattoos... And this is totally a reason to get tattoos is it makes it easy to identify your body. Yeah, yeah. You have your name on every limb. So in case you're eaten by a shark. In case you're Um, eaten by a shark, they can tell who it flagged to. Well, obviously, it's possible in Australia. You get on your ATV, something happens, you end up in the ocean, and a shark eats you. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing that's actually really sad now, um, getting onto my ecological horse. Um, You know, they talk about a lot of stuff in World War II, and they said at the time, the oceans were teeming with sharks. And so that was yeah. a real danger when they were doing operations where people weren't on the water that they get eaten by sharks. And unfortunately, because of overfishing and just general yeah. ecological disaster, there are not that many sharks anymore, unfortunately. And, and this is why people were warned not to put lasers on sharks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm in that kind of mood tonight. Oh, I broke Jen. That's hilarious. No, no, the ecological stuff, yes, is very bad. But 
but lasers, lasers on sharks. On sharks is a, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. You haven't been reading some of those websites today, have you? It's from Austin Powers. I was going to say it's from Austin Powers. <laughs> it's from the first Austin Powers movie. Well, you know, when you read like those things about stuff the Pentagon did, they probably did have a lasers on sharks program. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't they, put it past them. Yeah. They've tried everything. They, they really have. Sharks on LSD. <laughs> With lasers. With lasers. Oh, man. That would have been some light so, show. Uh, <laughs> put lasers on everything. Yeah. Well, didn't they like, they tried to attach bombs to dolphins? And I mean, there's been all sorts of horrible. Oh, dolphins are too smart for that. They wouldn't do that. Have you seen that video of a dolphin bringing a girl her iPhone after she's dropped it in the water? I did not see that. I saw a a dolphin rescuing a dog on some video. They're amazing animals. They really are. (laughs) I love dolphins. Dolphins are great. They're great. They're super smart. Let's save the dolphins. (laughs) So, on a completely different note, we have a hometown haunt this week. Yay! Yay! So uh, this is from Janet, and she says, We knew we had a nice female ghost in our family house. She used to communicate through a lamp by blinking light and TV by rolling static with questions by my dad. Before my parents owned it, it was owned by my grandparents and two owners before then. After my parents died, we had a lot of work done in the house. In the attic bedroom, our contractor was doing some work in an inset area behind the bathtub and pulled out a small piece of wood off the wall. It was a better part of an old Ouija board facing in. Now, that's kind of weird. He said, hey, look at this. We brought it downstairs, and I was going to see how much it was worth. We put it in the living room mantle, and all of a sudden, the light went out in the living room, and I shrieked. I told him to put it back in the wall in the attic bedroom. After we sold the house, the neighbor told me workmen would hear footsteps upstairs, and they bought, and they thought there was a ghost in the house. I said... There was, but it was friendly. Later, she said they found an old Ouija board nailed to the wall in the attic bathroom. I told her to tell them to put it back. In total, we had the house in our family for 78 years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Isn't it? Huh. That, that is a weird feature of the house, the Ouija yeah. board that they kept putting back. Yeah. 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 I mean, if it was a solid wood, maybe they just needed the piece. <laughs> That could be. And, yeah, uh, uh, yeah it, oh it's my. the talking boards. I think I've mentioned this before on the show that my family, when I was going through my mom's stuff, found the uh, the family talking board, which was a hand carved wood piece with A, B, C, all the letters, and then yes, no, and then a maybe. And it was not intricately detailed. But it, the fact that it's hand carved was amazing. So, wow. Yeah, like maybe sticking it as a piece of wood back behind the bathtub. That could be it. Yeah. That's a little or speculation. Someone but that's was taking amazing. a bath and wanted to talk to the spirits of the house. Mm, yeah. Like, Although uh, it's interesting, she said the lights went out when they brought it downstairs to look at yeah. it. She said to put it back. Mm-hmm. Which, when she did that, I wondered if that was like a strong intuition. Mm. Yeah. It probably was. It probably, I mean, the lights going out is super common, um, mm-hmm. especially, like, I mean, we use them for investigating with making the flashlights turn on and off uh, or requesting them, not making them. It's not mm-hmm. like I have any threat I could make to a ghost to make sure that the lights could go on and off, but it's an easy way of communication and it's less confusing than knocking. So yeah. 
Because, like, knocking can be anything in the walls. And in a lot of old homes, it's, like, mice. So, Mm -hmm. but the the flashlights are a a little bit easier. So this just feels like that, just Mm -hmm. doing it with your actual lamps. Although it's interesting, her father would talk to it. Oh, sorry. Well, our time's up, everyone. Good night. I thought that was maybe a ghost contacting Jen. Yeah, it's time to take my my medication. (laughs) Whoops. It it kind of fit in well, though. It did. It really did. That was good timing. There's Um, actually a really great Instagram account, and I'll put it in the show notes, that has funky different types of Ouija boards. It's a British site, and it's got all these different designs and stuff that people do. The name escapes me, but there's a man who has collected Ouija boards. He's here in the United States, and it's just a massive museum of Ouija boards that he has. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, man, I've heard him oh, talk on shows before, too. But he's very good at lecturing on the history of Ouija boards and talking boards and seances. So, You know, well, this- I have a, a memory of me being younger in the house I grew up in, which was an over 100-year-old I think Victorian house and the basement didn't have, it was just, you know, a dirt floor. For some reason, I have a memory of holding a wooden Ouija board, like a hand carved one, Mm -hmm. but I have no idea if that's a memory or if it was a dream Hmm. or if we ever had one like that. I really don't, don't know where that came from, but for some Hmm. reason that image. Have you talked to your sister about it? Maybe she has a memory. No, actually I'll ask, ask her. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this yeah. hand-carved Ouija board that your mother had, was it possible someone in the family carved it? Or was that just something that was available that many people bought back in the day before they were made by Milton Bradley? Oh, who, me or Jen? Uh, you. Oh, you said you had mine that. was hand-carved, I yeah, know. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so it was super popular in the 1890s. And I know we talked about with our tarot card history episode last year. Um, spiritualism was everywhere in the turn of the 20th century up through about the 1930s, but it had its heyday during World War I, which is when my grandmother was alive and a teenager at that time. So I'm pretty sure that this was a 1916 era hand-carved talking board, not Ouija, because Milton Bradley trademarked that name. But um just because it was really popular. That's what she did. Uh, it was one of the few times that you can actually do a parlor game with somebody of the opposite sex at the time um, and socializing famous, in some yeah. groups. So hmm? I was saying that famous picture that Norman Rockwell did. Yeah. And there was every reason for that picture was because people weren't still at the time, depending on your social group and who you hung around and if it was culturally appropriate or not. Um, that basically men and women did not touch each other or anything, but using a seance or a Ouija board or a talking board was an opportunity to be able to be close to someone you were interested in, in, especially in Midwestern USA at the time. So it was a really popular parlor game in mm-hmm. addition to like Jim Rummy, Rummy or Euchre. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you didn't have TV, so, Mm-mm. you know, so. You, there were there were other ways to, I mean, I think people did more game. I mean, I, I wouldn't say they did. I mean, I think people still game a lot and stuff, but, mm-hmm. it was, it was, uh, you know, they just didn't have the distractions of TV or, or 
that sort of thing. Right. There was a lot more community oriented activities. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like we were talking about the elk club and the, you know, the, the clubs when we were talking Mm -hmm. about a couple episodes ago, that was people just did more social stuff really had parties and get-togethers and neighborhood gatherings and stuff and i I mean i think people still do that i was going to say i think tarot is having a huge resurgence i mean we did the episode but Mm -hmm. i can't believe i think now kickstarter has its own section on just just tarot decks because it's so popular and i think i think a lot of people like doing them it seems like every week i have a friend with artwork and a new tarot deck and Mm -hmm. and i can't back all of them you know because every time i back one i'm like what am i going to do with another one of these and i love Right. looking at the artwork and stuff but um just you know i think it's i think it's just everybody loves working on this type of artwork because it's got sort of a lot of meaning to it and mm-hmm. it's it's something interesting to work on and it just has, seems to have become the thing right know? actually well, going back to the ouija boards have either of you either ever used a ouija board mm-hmm. as a kid one. yeah yeah okay I mean, my grandma had one. She used to write letters on all the time, not with the, not with the thing. Like she just okay. Used it I was as like automatic, desk. right? Did she? Did she, uh, she used it like something? as a lap desk. She used cool. it as a lap desk. She didn't have the little. What do they call the thing that that you the move? planchette? Yeah, she didn't have the planchette anymore. She just mm. had the the little wooden board, right? Which is great for drawing on and stuff. It's sort yeah. of a nice desk. Yeah, yeah. I have um, the Milton Bradley one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we don't have one that I know of. That's the only one I ever had. We did. I, I haven't had one really. Mm-hmm. I don't have one here. Do you have one in your house, Kat? I actually do not have a Ouija board. That's just something I haven't purchased for myself. I have no problem having one around the house. Mm-hmm. And it, it could potentially, I almost said turn itself on, but no, that's <laughs> not how they work. So like the planchette would just start moving on its own. I know it. But yeah. um I've used one before in a haunted house. Like it was for an inve- not an investigation, not an official investigation. Mm-hmm. It was a public ghost hunt, and it was like, who is brave enough to use a Ouija board in a famously haunted house? And I'm like, I am. <laughs> I'm either brave or stupid. So let's go. Let's do this. So it, it, found, it took a minute to find somebody else to do it with me, mm-hmm. but we did have it work. I, I did not. I was not the one doing. No, oh, neat. The piloting of the planchette. I yeah. think if I bought one, I'd want to get a handmade one. Like that was at yeah. a craft fair where somebody yeah. laid everything and stuff. Oh, that'd be nice. I've thought about everything. making one out of glass. Ooh. Oh, you should. You should. And then when they get really angry, they'll break it. Ooh. Yes, it would be hard once it's fused, but yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would That's show you how powerful they were. That would yeah. tell you how powerful they were is if, if, if it broke broke the glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely is is a it's one of those things that's a good prompt for horror stories because mm-hmm. it 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 seems that you know you can do anything with it really, and I mm-hmm. think that's why it's popular in horror movies and, and that oh, sort yeah. of thing. Oh yeah. But well, there is a movie called Ouija, which is actually pretty good. A I horror movie that came out not too long ago. Yeah. I, I like the idea of seeing the ghost through the planchette. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a telescope into the netherworld. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, think that, I, 
did not like that idea. <laughs> I, I think I like stories like that ghost TV show where it shows that sort of view of haunting rather than something that's oh, yes. horrifying, trying to harass the living. In, in, in my experience, being a medium, life is much more like ghosts, especially the BBC version. Yes. Um, oh, I love the BBC version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, and uh, not so much the horror that is in, depicted in horror movies. It's basically you're just bopping around doing your everyday thing and people just pop in and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when in the show, and this is getting oddly specific, they're going house hunting mm -hmm. once they they think they're going to sell the, the mansion. And... Uh, just all the different places and the ghosts that are in each one of these. My favorite is the penthouse with the ghosts in the air. So yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. The slight spoiler alert. It's very vague. Spoilerly. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what season that is, but mm -hmm. it, it's I, just, no, go ahead. Oh, I just said it's, it's just, I think it's an interesting idea of sort of the banality of ghosts. Mm -hmm. That seems like that could be a book title, but it wouldn't sell anything. That's why, no. you know, you say, you say most haunted or, you know, whatever, because that's what sells stuff. You said it's just really banal. Right. You are like, oh, I don't want to read like, that. Well, you need conflict for every story, but exactly. I do, I do find it comforting because I've, I've always been afraid of death. The thought of non-existing for some mm -hmm. reason terrifies me. And I think that's why I'm not a, obsessed, but, you know, more interested in it than others. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like the, the thought that they're just hanging out in their favorite spots or they're, you know, looking after their family members or they're just popping in to say hi and maybe mess with you a little bit. You yeah. know, not they're not there to hurt you. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been to a haunted location where there was a ghost purposely trying to hurt people. Yeah. Creep them it was, out, maybe. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> creep yes. Them creep out. them out. Yes. There was definitely ones that were pranksters and loved to yeah. creep people out on purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, it's... And then there's like the doppelganger, which is not a human spirit. So we're not... It, it doesn't mm -hmm. fall into the same kind of situation. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the human ghosts that I've encountered that are just hanging around, they have reasons for hanging around. That's mostly where they liked being or where they're the most comfortable, even mm -hmm. if it's sad places um, like Penhurst, people are there because that's where they were comfortable. So mm -hmm. it, it's in, in their world, that's where they were comfortable. You kind of have to put them in, in put yourself in their shoes and yeah. not so much, cast your own opinions about the situation so that's mm -hmm. where they were comfortable that's where they're happy and that's where they hang out mm -hmm. so. so i have a question you know it, it, this might be off topic i don't know but you remember when i got really like antsy and unsettled at anchorage mm -hmm. so i was thinking the other day i've had a couple in instances like that before one was when i went to the body exhibit mm -hmm. I oh interesting mm-hmm and then, and this was after I had the experience at Anchorage when I went to the Cincinnati uh, Zoo's Light uh, Festival of Lights. Mm -hmm. Something about, I don't know if it was my vision or whatever, but I felt really oppressed there mm -hmm. under the lights. And I've never felt that before. And I don't know if it was my astigmatism messing up my eyes because with LED lights, it's 
it hurts. I can't see clearly. Like yeah. I can't, you know, and it, and that might have messed me up, but I I don't know. It it, it felt the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised that the bodies is exhibited no. all, considering yeah, that... it's somewhat dubious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it when we get really to yeah, when we get to Camp Chesterfield, we'll look into it. Okay. Yeah, we need to plan to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Next weekend, uh, I'll be in Indy visiting Christine. She's having a Mary Kay party. Oh. And again, mm-hmm. you you can cut this part out, but um, yeah, we'll have to plan something soon if we all want to go because Christine, yes. you're so busy. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I'm or if on. you want to wait until after things settle with your mom, that may be slightly better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, um, there's not a rush for sure. No, yeah, no. it's Camp Chesterfield's been there for a few hundred. Over a hundred years. So really, yeah. wow! I want to learn more about it. Yeah, I have to like investigate because I, I think that would be a really interesting thing to ex- experience, and it could be just that you're open up to being more sensitive, Jen. Yeah, you've been I... hanging out with Chris and I, uh-huh. and that probably is making you more what you you already were, but you were closed off. Yeah, and now opening up, going, hey, well, my friends are able to see the dead. Maybe this is something I can do too. Ah, I don't want to, but it's happening I anyway. Do. I don't know. Christina said the same thing to me. Mm. Yeah, ah, that's funny. You're more open. I am not. <laughs> yes, you are, and the dead want to talk to you. They're like, hey, Jen. Just don't make me feel anxious, please. I don't like What's feeling anxious. What's your Starbucks anxious? order? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want soy milk with that? Chai latte. Thank you. <laughs> and a muffin. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> yeah. You can probably leave the Starbucks order one. <laughs> minor editing at the end here that's all a little minor editing you know actually uh referring back to the main subject of the story one of the things that was really funny in james talks was he said the only thing consistent with the one police officer with frogman was that he shot it he thought it was really interesting but that he shot it Mm -hmm. and um i was wondering how often that happens with cryptids that whoever finds it tries to shoot it and thinking about the turtle and stuff i was thinking at least they didn't try to shoot it yeah, they did not try to shoot it. They just tried to catch it. Uh-huh. They probably yeah. would have killed it, though, and stuffed it, don't you think? Yeah. One and then it would have ended more... up in a restaurant in northern Indiana. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of sad thing gyms. about, like, these these big animals, you know, wanting to hunt them or kill them or rather yeah. to learn more about them. Yeah, because it's a trophy Yes, something. yes. I apologize for yeah. being so ecological today. I don't know why I'm like talking it about it. It lends itself to it. <laughs> I think yeah. it's because I've been painting pictures of poachers all day. and I'm like, <laughs> Probably. Yes. Okay. It's on the brain. <laughs> I looked up the place where the fake Beast of Busco shell is. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, the Beast of Busco shell hangs in the Two Brothers restaurant in Decatur, Indiana. Whoa. Huh. So. But it's not supposed to be the. It's real. not the real one. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a leatherback tortoise. Yes, probably if it's that large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but There's probably shells around. Yeah. 
But um, well, on that note. Yeah. So everyone, thank you for joining us for another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Cat Cloco, and along with me on the strange and spooky ride through the netherworld is Jen Kohler and that Christina That does sound Wald. exciting. It Woo-hoo! does, doesn't it? Yeah. it sound, it's like Beetlejuice part two. I know. Anyway, I wish I um, saw more stripes. Yeah. So you can follow us at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. If you're from Chabusco, Chabusco, Indiana, and have been to this festival, please let us know what it's like and uh, join our Hometown Haunts and also your own ghost stories from your neck of the woods. So for me and everyone else on the team, good night and stay spooky. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.